So basically it's jostling the creative muscle, but in a playful, safe environment that's not connected to the actual project. And then when I come back, it's like, ooh, boom, there's the aha. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Story Podcast. I'm Harris III, and I want to begin this episode by asking you a question. What is genius? Is it something you're just born with, like freckles or perfect pitch? Or is it something that can be cultivated, like growing a garden or redoing your kitchen? That's a question that Jillian Farabee is interested in. You might have seen Jillian performing on stage, TV, or the movies, or you're probably at least familiar with her work building the Cirque du Soleil cast, or maybe as creative director for the Beatles' Love in Las Vegas. But she also founded Kite Parade, a consulting organization that helps people activate and achieve their highest potential for genius. In other words, Jillian wants to help people become whatever kind of genius they can be. And in her case, that often involves an understanding of liminal space. She knows more about that than I do, so here's Jillian on how to embrace it. So the title was Embracing Liminal Space, uh, Meeting, Exploring, and Understanding Liminal Space. Um, and because I'm the first speaker, it's the idea is to give an overview because people have come to the conference, they have some understanding from the website, but to really give several examples and ways that it can show up in people's lives so that people are recognizing themselves in the theme. And then in my case, because I work as a coach now with high level creatives and teams, often a coach is invited in during liminal space. You know, as with an athlete, a coach can be brought in just to get from A to B. But if that B is a big enough goal, you're going to hit that sense of liminal space somewhere along the way. So the talk was to to open it up to give a little bit more diversity to what liminal space can look like. And then I offered four tools that I use with uh, some of my clients to to help make it easier. What were those tools? The first one is to understand how fear works. Uh, because liminal space by its nature is uncertain because you're between two realities, as you described. So fear will always come up because we are, interestingly enough, as humans, we're, we seem to be built for transformation because everyone's life involves that. But we're also built for security. Our, a part of our mind is designed to always look for where is danger and to avoid it. And so the first one is understanding fear, how it works and how you can shift it the tools for that. The second one I call fact and fiction. So when you're in a very scary new space, it can be hard to discern what happened from what you're saying it means. You know, so if somebody is told uh, your second IVF didn't work, uh, they could think that means that's it, I'll never have children. But the fact was that this one didn't work. and then you'll usually give percentages, for instance, now it's a 20% chance the next one will work. And then your mind is like, well, 20 isn't good. And, and all of that is possible. Many things are possible. But the ability to say the fact today is that I was told this piece of information and anything else is the fiction that I'm making up. And that's important because that fiction, you can just make a lot of scary stuff up. Um, or you can make up things that such that you stop your path. Sure. The and story I'm telling myself. Yes. Yeah. I, I wasn't sure if people are familiar with that. I, creatives use that expression a lot. Sure. Story I'm telling. And also in relationships, you can yeah. use that. It's a post-it note on my desktop at work. I love that that is in the zeitgeist myself. now. Yeah, And even is. with my husband, 
you know, if I'm going to say this, I want to, you know, I'd like to talk about something which we all know that you brace yourself. And then you say, I'm making a the story I'm telling myself about what happened yesterday is this. And then mm-hmm. they have room to say, interestingly, that's not the story I had. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Um, and then the next one is uh, collective narrative versus individual narrative. So, you know, the simple ones are these narratives, all artists are poor. And yet we know of many artists who were rich and and everything in between. So being able to see the collective narrative for what it is and then create your own individual narrative in that. Jillian says she's learned to be strategic. And if you're a creative professional, you know that makes her sort of a unicorn in the industry. Most creative minds tend to be more instinctual and visionary than calculating and analytical but she says she's had to learn. As a speaker, she's been able to test different methods of presenting her gut instinct, letting her be both visionary and strategic at the same time. That's liminal space, living in two worlds at once. And that's what I wanted to know next. How does she live in that space? And how does she maintain that tension in a way that's actually productive instead of, well, infuriating? I definitely work with that on different clients and it's very different for each person. So at some point you will need to create your own map of what works for you. Um, Some examples for me are definitely other people reaching out to close friends and asking them what they see. Uh, Sometimes they will guide me and say, you know, describe how you feel about each of the possible roads you could take. And then they will reflect to me something they're seeing in what I'm, the way I'm speaking or something I'm not hearing in my own, you know, expression that will help me. Another one for me is actually uh, nature and physicality. So if I go to somewhere that's very vast and beautiful, like a very big mountain or a very big lake, for some reason that it's the perspective that will start to shift my ideas and there is some neuroscience behind this that when you're giving new sensorial input to yourself that's uh friendly and feels kind of interactive and playful to you but is unknown meaning i don't know what the weather is going to be like today or there's some differentiation from what you're expecting that then your sensorial brain opens the net to to see more than usual and if you are dropping a creative question into your mind at the same time your creative net is also wider because they work they work in sync so you will associate different things with an idea than you maybe would have associated before so i do things that help neurologically for my creative biases to be loosened and nature is one of those uh physical activity like improvisational dance or i play an instrument improvisational music and also playing with someone so someone else's ideas so basically it's jostling the creative muscle but in a playful safe environment that's not connected to the actual project and then when i come back it's like ooh, boom there's the aha i think you can see why jillian is so good at this liminal space stuff Even just the way she carries a conversation is full of those little moments of tension and already not yet. It's what makes her such a creative force, but I know it can also feel tough to access that stratosphere of energy if you're not used to it. So I wanted to get close with some real actual tips for accessing that kind of space. 
I wanted sort of a rookie's guide to the liminal. Wow. Um, interestingly, what comes to mind first is, uh, it's going to sound funny, but it's super practical, is to, to really have honed your skills, whichever form of storytelling you're doing, whether it's music or words or performing, um, because the gatekeepers, the gates have opened so widely, anyone can tell a story and have an audience almost now in a traditional sense. Um, and the reason I say that is the nervousness that we all feel is quadrupled if you don't have your tool belt solid. Sure. You know, if you go out, you know this, when you go out on stage, for instance, whatever nervousness you have is multiplied by 10. And it is because you have the energy of 500, 100, 5,000 people. They have physical energy and mm -hmm. it comes towards you in that moment. And I learned this when I was an actor and I was doing auditions, in which case it would be five people, but one is a famous director. And and that if I had over-prepared and shut down from fear, then it's okay, but you do the job you did in your room and maybe it works. If you then say, I'm not going to prepare, I'm just going to go in, that extra energy, you can just lose your whole ground. But if you create a really solid structure in which that increased energy can move, then magic things happen. You can take chances, you can be in the moment, you can allow your own creative intelligence to inform what you're doing. So your skill is that. And mm -hmm. so the two things you need to do in those in those vulnerable moments is make sure that you inside know that you're good enough at what you do like you can always get to 75 percent that's the professional right mm -hmm. and we all want the next 25 and then most of us are looking for that transcendent moment that you'll remember for the rest of your life and then you create the environment that's going to bring that in and some of that is who you work with but a lot of it is the more you dare to be visible the more energy you're going to get mm -hmm. and the more creativity you're going to get but the reason i answered with the tools is the energy that brings that extra can also throw you off your game sure so you want to always have sometimes people come to me and they have a really big project and the first thing i'll say is do you have the resources and the training to accomplish this if somebody says i've done this well in music and now i'm i want to go for a grammy which doesn't necessarily mean you can't make a Grammy happen, but you know you, what they're saying is, I want to write an album that is that level. And one of the first questions is, do you need to go back to singing lessons to, to get the full range that maybe you haven't accessed? Mm -hmm. And you know you, you know this, you know that feeling when you've done something enough and you've done the discipline of the practice, it's yours. You know, your tool belt's there, you know you will have what it takes to respond, then you can jump in. and. So strangely enough, that's the first thing that came to mind is to is to that's give great. yourself the stability of having honed your craft. Sure. It's unmistakable when those moments happen, though, those top 25%, and you have the crowd. It's just here, and you can feel the energies bouncing around the room, and you're lost in it, but you are utterly one with that crowd as you're, you're telling your story, right? When those moments happen... Those are the pivotal beacons that kind of keep you moving in the right direction through that through that liminal space. Yes, you know? that's very like I'm, true. I'm on path. The, my navigational beacons have been set out. I just follow those because I know I can. It's a, rem it's a reminder to dare greatly. That's very true. That's really well put. And I, there's one inside and out. I think the outside is what you said. You feel it in that interaction. And then you know where you were. You know, if you're too leaned out, 
looking to please everybody or if you're too leaned in from fear. But when you're in that space of, of in the moment, in your genius. Mm -hmm. But I love you saying that it isn't only the end game, it's also those markers that give you the confidence to keep going until you get to the end game. Getting there can be scary, but it's not half as scary as never trying. I hope Jillian's words here are inspiring, at least in terms of thinking of a new way of approaching your creative work. Whether you're more of a visionary guy like me or more of a strategic thinker, learning how to find some tension in your usual creative approach might be scary, but it might also be the key to unlocking a whole new level of genius. She has certainly helped me unlock some of mine through our years of friendship coaching sessions, and all the ways that she has poured into the story community. She'll be back to be a part of the Story 2020 virtual experience this September by teaching an interactive workshop, and you don't want to miss it. You can learn more by visiting story2020.com. We have a bunch of huge announcements coming soon, including the first round of speakers, more about our theme, our schedule for this year, and so much more. Again, just visit story2020.com to learn more. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Jillian. Be sure to give her a follow online and keep up with what she's building and working on through Kite Parade. I am Harris III, and as always, thanks so much for listening to The Story Podcast. The Story Podcast is a production of the Astoria Collective. It is hosted and curated by Harris III and produced, edited, and mixed by Chad Michael Snavely. All music for season four of the Story Podcast is provided by the talented musicians at Soundstripe. For more information about this podcast and other creative offerings from Story, visit storygatherings.com. <laughs>